even if the worst were to happen and you were to get COVID and leave this earth, I mean, we win. And so <laughs> there's, there's some peace in that. Hey, everyone. Welcome to What in the World, a podcast all about what God has been and is doing in our backyard and around the globe. We are going to look at what God is doing through the lens of Elmbrook Church, which has had a long history of engaging with what God is doing outside its doors. Um, My hope for this podcast is that it's going to broaden your perspective on what's going on in the world and what God is doing. I want to also help people to engage in what God is doing. And the main way I'm going to do this is through stories. My name is Jake Lee, and I'm going to be the host for this podcast. But before we jump into our first interview, I wanted you to hear a short cultural blunder from Dr. Doug Limberg. And the reason I'm including a cultural blunder is because we're all human and all make mistakes. God has always used imperfect people to accomplish his purposes, and he still does today. So let's dive in. Uh, When we were in Nepal, uh, we were were encouraged to make use of our Nepali, even if it wasn't polished yet. Yeah. Um, I was I was happy to do that. Within a couple weeks of us arriving and starting Nepali, we were out walking the streets and there was a guy uh, selling lychees. I didn't need any lychees uh, because we had lychees at home. So I wanted to tell him uh, I have lychees at home. Instead, I, I said, Merogar ho," And what that means in Nepali is, my home is a lychee. Oh. And <laughs> so he, he kind of looked at me funny and realized I wasn't probably worth much to him and walked away. And Ruth was just, Ruth, my wife, was laughing at me, not with me. Um, you were just the then, foreigner, Doug, who yeah. doesn't know what they're doing and said, hey, my, my home's a fruit, so let's let's yeah. do this. <laughs> and then the other one was, um, I'd been, been there for a while. We'd been there for a few years. I'd been working in the hospital for over a year. Whenever a woman delivered a baby, mm-hmm. I'd say to her, Bagaicha, on the on the day that she was being discharged, um, intending to say, congratulations, you know, this is great. I realized one night when Ruth and I were, were walking and I said, boy, I, I'm sure glad that I, that I figured out which was congratulations and which was garden. And she said, oh yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's good. And, I, and then I said, Bagaicha, thinking that was congratulations she said no no that's that's garden and so it turned out for probably about a year every woman who had a baby in Dadaldera who was being discharged um, that day was told by the the white foreigner doctor garden which again (laughs) might be kind of meta like yeah yeah you are a garden and this is the, beautiful. the produce that you've produced maybe they thought I was some sort of a foreigner poet but uh, no, I was just... You were just a foreigner, Doug. I was just a foreigner who was doing my very best to speak a language that I'm still not that good at. So I love Bagaicha. that. Well, I, I wish you a garden as well, Doug. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bagaicha on the new podcast. Bagaicha. Beautiful. Uh-huh. All right, everybody. So today I have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Doug Limberg. Doug is an elder at Elmbrook Church. He also... Uh, served as a field worker for, was it four years, Doug? Yep. Four years in Nepal. And you are currently serving as a doctor at a clinic uh, dealing with actual COVID patients. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to dive into this with you today. We are going to really focus on what you are seeing God do through COVID in the medical community and also what it's really like to be a healthcare worker right now. That's really where I want to land this podcast 
there's obviously a lot of things flying around information right now. But for us, I just want to laser in what is God doing and what is it like to be a healthcare worker in this season? Mm -hmm. So first off, my first question for you is just, what is the mood in the clinic right now where you're at? Uh, there's there's a mixture of uh, anxiety. Um, there's fear, both of the virus and, and of losing work. Who would have thought that in the midst of a healthcare pandemic that, you know, gro- grocery store staff and employees would be working overtime and yeah. healthcare, healthcare professionals would be getting laid off or furloughed. But that's where we're at. It's an insane um, time right now. It really is. There's that fear and, and anxiety, but there's a neat spirit of just camaraderie and and a willingness to step in and, and do what you need to do. People who go into healthcare are people who are helpers and want to assist others in their hour of need. This is a time to do that. And so people have willingly stepped into that, even at risk to themselves at times and help one another out as staff and, and serve our patients, even, even if there's personal risk involved, which is encouraging to see. Yeah. I remember you saying uh, previously when I talked to you, this idea that when that crisis hits, especially in the medical community, you guys are trained to not run from it, but run into those things. And I think that yeah. we've seen that with a lot of healthcare workers really stepping up. And yeah, it's really unfortunate right now that there's a decent number of you guys getting laid off, which is really rough right now. Yeah, it is. And obviously, healthcare isn't alone in that. I mean, that's um, across the board in most most corners of the of the work world. But yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah, for sure. Well, one thing I wanted to bring it to, so like there's kind of this... Uh, feel of confusion, some anxiety, um, yet this desire to dive into the fray. So, but how are you seeing God move in this season? Or, or, or do you have some stories of God moving in this season? I'd say two things come to mind. Um, one is just, you know, obviously the doctor-patient relationship is really a sacred one that uh, we're privileged to be able to um, step into each time we go into an exam room during this time with COVID and the, and the fear that's involved there. And you're talking to someone who's who's sick with it or, or where you're suspecting it. It certainly creates opportunity to encourage them and pray with them. I, I had one patient in particular that comes to mind, a 90-year-old lady who was pretty sick. Her, you know, her oxygen levels were down and we were sending her to the emergency room and yeah. she was there with her family and or her daughter, I think. And I was just able to take some time to before we send him off to pray for her and encourage her and just uh, pour into her in that way. And then the other thing that comes to mind is, is just staff to staff. During a time like this, I think we're all a little more open to talking about spiritual things and things that are going on in our lives and in our hearts and fears that we might have as opposed to just the weather and what you're doing this weekend. You know, sure. there have definitely been more substantive conversations that have been taking place between staff um, during this time. So are you kind of seeing it like compared to when you normally go to work, you are getting more, there are more opportunities to have faith conversations or maybe just say real conversations, not just generic small talk. Yeah, I'd say both, you know, I'd say both. And then the other bit with that is, you know, there has been more downtime, honestly, which again is surprising which you, usually we're just running, running, running all day. And when we have a bit more time to catch our breath, yeah, that's a space where conversation and connection can happen too. And you can just yeah, share what's on your heart. And, you know, it's, it's, it's good. Yeah, I appreciate that, Doug. That's good to see that that's, I mean, 
obviously it's not good that people are being laid off with all the horrible things going on, but to have that opportunity to talk about things that are more real, that space, that's a big deal too. My hope for this part of the podcast is that I want to look back over the years of Elmbrook's mission history so that we can start to build a better picture of the legacy that we are now a part of. Hey everyone, welcome to our very first segment of One in the World. I want to take you back to 1957, where there were five families meeting in a house, praying about how they could reach their neighborhood and the surrounding community for Christ. And what they started doing is just driving around the neighborhood and praying. And these five families eventually turned into 30 people. And in 1958, Elmbrook Church started. And the crazy thing, in that very first year, Elmbrook started supporting its very first missionary couple, Dr. Vigo and Joanne Olson, and they supported them at a whopping $5 a month. So Elmbrook's mission history traces back to its very first year of inception. Uh, Before that, there were people seeking and praying, and then right when the church started, they started sending their first missionary. So I think that's a pretty cool legacy uh, to start a church, especially one that's in the very beginning wanting to be part of what God's doing around the world. So that is our very first one in the world. There's a lot of people who are maybe fearful or who are scared. Do you have any words of comfort that you can give people who are fearful like that or maybe some advice? You know, I think the the numbers are, you know, they're scary, but at the same time, they, they can provide some reassurance in terms of the fact that most people who get this virus do fine. It's mm-hmm. not to minimize the the, the risk. It, it is risky and it's and it's scary, but it's it's by no means a a death sentence or anything like that. Even if you're diagnosed with it. And the, the other thing is, is that we're going to be living with this for a little while, and so sure. we all need to find ways to. I almost want to say make peace, but but find ways to cope and and find where our comfort levels are as we you know a few weeks from now. Uh, emerge from this to, to some degree, take the first steps back towards 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 life, public life. The usual places we should be turning of going to the Word and, and spending time in prayer, and those are certainly sources of comfort. But also think through risks that, that we take every day and recognize that nothing in life is, is truly safe that we do. Yeah. And there are going to be some risks as we emerge from this and take proper precautions, but there's, and follow public health advice, but there's, there's no reason to, you know, live in a cave for the next two years until there's a vaccine. Along that line, I know for me and also lots of people I've talked to, and I'm guessing people who are going to be listening to this podcast as well. What are some things that we can do or what are ways you're seeing yeah, that, that just the normal Christian can step into the season with more of an attitude of faith and not fear. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it, I mean, we, <laughs> even if the worst were to happen and you were to get COVID and leave this earth, I mean, we win. And so <laughs> there's there's some peace in that, not to jump right to that. I think, too, um, this this presents us with an opportunity to to really serve others and serve our, serve our community and love other people. Through the course of of history, the church has shown brightly in the time of plagues and mass illness. You know, you can look through the centuries yep. at ways Christians have responded, and this is a strange time in the sense that the loving thing to do in terms of serving and protecting your neighbor often is to stay home 
or to yeah. and to to wear a mask and to wash your hands and to do these things that don't seem particularly heroic um, <laughs> really are the are the ways that we can tangibly love the vulnerable amongst us by not being a vector of this scourge. And so I think those are real and important ways. And then, you know, certainly reach out to those who are, you know, lonely and vulnerable and bring your neighbor a banana bread or send a card to the, and, and give a phone call to, to folks who, who might be alone or lonesome or struggling or, or whatever the case may be and reach out and look beyond yourself and think, think who might be struggling. I think those are things we can do as Christians. Yeah, for sure. What I'm kind of hearing throughout this is really two things is it's this idea that you need to hold hand in hand, this care for the vulnerable, mm -hmm. but then also this idea of faith over fear. And so whatever that means to the vulnerable, if that means staying at home, that's what Christians need to do. Mm -hmm. But if that means your neighbor needs help, then go help your neighbor. Yeah. Don't be so worried about huddling up in your home that you're unwilling to help people. But if you're staying at home for because you're just protecting people, that's what we should be doing as Christians. That's what we're called to do. Mm -hmm. We're called to be a light, to not operate out of fear, but do what the churches have done throughout the centuries and step into those places where people are hurting and dying where others aren't. And so it's it's just this weird time where it's like sometimes the most loving thing as the church could be to stay at home and just wash your hands and wear a mask. Yep. It feels weird, but that's something that we need to do, and we need to take that seriously right now. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about the most vulnerable and also people who are obviously isolated and our neighbors who might need something in this time. But another thing is you do have medical workers, you have police officers, firemen, and you mentioned earlier grocery store workers who are really serving on the front lines who are at the highest rate of exposure for COVID. Mm -hmm. What are some things, or do you have any advice at how we could be a light to them in this season i'd say when you when you're interacting with them look them in the eye pause and say thank you and that goes a long way not like a cursory thanks you know hey thanks but stop and say thank you you know and let them know that you're you're pausing and seeing them and acknowledging what they're doing that that goes i mean that can make your day um or make our day i should say so that's certainly one thing um with, with those folks, you know, if, if you're connected to them, finding tangible ways to help them out, if it's, you know, particularly with like things like childcare or, you know, other needs that have arisen that can, that can be appreciated as well. I mean, we're far enough into this at this point that a lot of that's gotten figured out compared to the early days, but summer's coming now. And so for yeah. people with kids, it creates a whole nother set of circumstances where they don't have the same sort of structure. So, but that letting people know that you see them, you see what they're doing and you appreciate it is I think of great importance right now. I like that a lot, Doug. I really like that idea of stopping and just like stopping to say thank you because very easily I do this too. Like you're rushing, you just say thanks, bye. And you just take off. And it's more of just a knee jerk reaction or response rather than actually seeing the other person as a human being as an image bearer of God. But when you're stopping, it's very small. It doesn't take that much energy, but it takes a little bit of mental focus. Yep. And if that can make a difference in someone's day, do it. Like mm -hmm. who knows how terrible that person's day could be. And for you just to notice them, I think that that's something we could do in a lot of seasons, not just this one, to be honest. Agreed. 
So last question I got for you, Doug, is there anything in conclusion or anything you want to say that I haven't maybe asked a question for? One thing that people can be doing in this time is playing the board game Pandemic, <laughs> which my, my children uh, reluctantly agreed to. And the reason I say reluctantly was because in the past, whenever I've played with them, it's a it's a multi-person game where you're on like a shared mission to stop this pandemic or series of pandemics that are sweeping the world. And whenever we've played in the past, we've always lost. And it's a so hard they, game. It's a very it hard is, game. It's tough. It's tough. And with my eight and eleven year old, you know, there's some discouragement there when when we lose pandemic. And so they were afraid to play, but I finally convinced them. And uh, <laughs> Jake, we won. I'm I'm there so go, happy Doug. to say we won. And so if a forty something male and his eight and eleven year old can beat pandemic, you know, then there's hope for us in this in this season of COVID. Um, <laughs> but fi- finding fun things to do with your family and friends yeah. to, to stay sane through this sort of thing and laugh and do things you enjoy and make memories because this is a time we're all going to remember for the rest of our life, even though it's awful in so many ways. It's a unique time and yeah. less, there are lessons to be learned. We're not going to be the same after this. And so doing things where we're going to come out the other side better, um, I think are are important and worth thinking about it even in the day-to-day grind of all this. That's a great answer, Doug. I love that. Pandemic. It's a great game. You guys should check it out if you haven't. And yeah, it's very difficult to beat, but it's a good group game. It is. So Doug, thank you for making uh, some time to talk with me. I really appreciate it. I love talking to you. And I hope everyone listening to this podcast also got something out of it. It could be a little encouraged, hopefully something that brightens your day a little bit in this season. So thanks for listening. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of What in the World. I had a great time talking to Doug and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I just wanted to give you an update that in the next couple weeks we're going to be talking to people in Bangladesh, in Brazil, and India. So you'll definitely want to tune into those, so keep an eye open for that. And once again, this has been What in the World. Have a great day.